Let's get it rolling then, bro. The 11th episode of the YM podcast, by the way. It's absolutely nuts that... Aye, 11 episodes in already. But if anyone's listening for the very first time, bro... Do it, bro. Let's do it. Cool. Let's fucking make it happen. So if anyone's listening for the very first time, in this podcast, I basically bring on a series of guests from professional athletes, like Deck here, to business owners, to, you know, high-performing content creators that change lives through the content that they provide... And we've got the one and only Declan Gallagher on here. Do you want to tell the troops a little bit about yourself, mate? Cheers for having me on, first of all, John. Of course, it's been a bro. pleasure to speak to you, mate. So, uh, a bit about myself. Obviously, my name's Declan Gallagher, 30 year old. I'm a centre half, currently playing at Aberdeen FC just now. Uh, also, a Scotland internationalist. Not been in the last two squads, but hopefully, more squads to come when I get back fit from injury. Fucking too right, mate. Absolutely too right. And I think, like, probably... I mean, we've known each other for how long now, mate? Like, like I was going to say six months there, but I think it's more than that, isn't it? Nah, it's been a, it's been a wee while now, mate, because uh, it was obviously probably maybe when COVID maybe just started and stuff like that. Aye. Got COD and stuff like that started happening mate so it's probably, probably a bit over that. Aye to be honest mate you're probably right and for anyone that's wondering myself and Deck met through the college of side of things so through the stream gaming together that kind of stuff I've carried Deck I don't know how many times now mate so <laughs> it's uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's some shift mate it's always some laugh at it always some no, laugh mate. Always mate man it's the way forward into the old college of <laughs> mate what a thing. Keep trying to tell her missus I'm going pro but she, she doesn't believe me because she sees me with a wine kill every day. <laughs> I'll start the coaching sessions, mate. Like I said, man, I'll get um, we'll start that side of the business on ongoing, mate. Get some coaching sessions on the go, and we'll be fucking flying in I no help. time, bro. I help the big dog man go for date the medic to date the killer. <laughs> <laughs> Too right, brother. Too right. So, for anyone that's listening, I basically ask, I'm going to ask Deck a series of questions, right? Wherever the podcast goes, it goes. Um, and there's no license to like where we're going to end up taking it. The questions are going to be varying from business related to mindset related to weird and wacky, mate. A bit of a laugh because that's kind of like what I'm all about. That's me as an individual taking serious when it comes to competitiveness and like if I'm playing at a tournament or anything like that, or if it's business related. I'm like, I'm not serious in business either, mate, to be honest. I'm just, I'm authentic, I'm myself, mate. So, some of the questions I'll be asking you, mate, it's going to bring it the best in you, man. So, you up for it? Perfect, mate, let's do it. Do it right, brother. So, in terms of, also your personal football at the moment, mate, but what's one thing outside your profession right now that you'd love to get into? Maybe when you're retired, or just something that you're really passionate about, mate? Um... See, to be honest, it's quite a funny one because I've never really thought about it outside of football because see, people think of football, right, and you think, right, it's a job and stuff like that. But before it became that job, it, it was your passion. Mm-hmm. Still, is, still is a passion, obviously, but then you, you, you realise it as a job at the end of the day. But like, when you were a wee guy playing football at the backyard and, and whatever you whatever you played it, it, football was a passion. Mm-hmm. It was something that you just loved doing. So it's like... That that passion's never ever left me, regardless yeah. of it being a job or if it's been so like I just think right now thinking of things outside of football is hard because football's always been my passion and yeah. like until the end it's gonna be my passion till I retire. Obviously like as you say other things like I've went into like obviously doing my, my B licence for coaching. Right. So I started that obviously with, with how busy my schedule got between like international and uh, obviously club football. It was a bit hard to 
they kind of keep going because when they were doing like their classes, their on the pitch stuff for the B license, I was away in international duty, so yep. I was not really getting to go there. So it's that's been kind of stop start for me. It is something that um, I'm seriously considering for obviously after my career playing finishes, I want to stay in football because as you just said there, the word passion, my passion is football, so I want to do something within football and. Right now, obviously, it is the the coaching side that, that I'm looking into. Yeah, for sure, man. What does the B license actually like mean or cover? The B license is basically B's for basically basics. It's yeah. basically back to what you learned when you were a young boy. It's like working with, with young children just coming into the game. It's working with people that maybe aren't professional, but like just like playing football down mm-hmm. the park, just like junior teams, amateur teams. Maybe guys that don't even have the aspiration to go and play professional football, but they like playing football and they they also need coached as well, yeah. uh, so they can play on a Saturday. So the B license is basically for basing, and it's it's a license and the buys that you need, even if you wanted to do it at a professional level, you need that B license. For right. like, if you don't have that, you can't actually be a manager. Right, and then do you end up like scaling up as well in terms? Of, so you go for the B license to like a like a I don't know, like an intermediate level to like then a higher level, yeah? Yeah, well basically there's there's the C license, the B license, the A license. So I didn't have to do the C because I've obviously played international football. So you kind of, you're allowed to skip the C onto the B just because obviously you're international. You've been a part of football for that long that the C license wouldn't do anything for you. The B license is then more coaching, more hands-on, which every footballer needs yeah and uh you're we're not just on this course just as footballers just the professionals there's there's random people there's people that are maybe have never played football in their life but want to do coaching yeah that are on that are on this course as well and there's about 56 50 60 people and i think in the class that i was in and i think there was only about four or five of us that were actually in the game of football the right. rest of people were just people from the outside world that were trying to get into coaching, maybe people that were at college that have done sports coaching at college, but they're going for their B licence, they're going for that, and they're trying to, they're trying to find their way as well. So uh, you would go B, then you'd go A, yep. then you'd go for your UEFA A and B, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously if you get your UEFA A, that's, that's the highest credential that you can you can get as a coach. That's interesting, mate. That's really interesting because I've always been curious about how people become managers and actual process you need to go through. Um, it's always so interesting to me as well, like when managers become managers that have never been footballers previous to it. Like, I don't like, obviously, a lot of the managers in this day and age have been footballers prior to it, like Pep and stuff like that. So it's always interesting to me because I'm always thinking about how they end up in that. They just start with a basic coach and, like, or like coaching like a boys club team or whatever it is and then take a boys club team to a good level and then what they get scouted or whatever like it's quite a nuts yeah, concept I, I think obviously well you look i think the two main ones that you could probably think it all right Klopp maybe played in the, the lower levels mm-hmm. uh german football but never no one had really ever heard of Klopp and then yep. you've obviously got Mourinho as well mm-hmm. never ever played football and then you look at them now as managers so many managers is like you think it's going to be an easy job when you're in football. You think, I could be a manager, no problem. Mm-hmm. People sitting in the stand this hard, they think they're managers. <laughs> then it's like, you actually then, well, me doing my B licence and looking at all the stuff that you actually have to think about 
and it's wee things that you don't even think about, like setting up a session before training. You don't realise that the coaches, you're, you're in football and you're hanging out with other boys, you're having a laugh in the changing room, you're, you're doing a wee workout in the gym, whatever. You don't actually realise that the, the backroom staff, your coaches, your managers, whatever, they're already out there, out in the training ground, organising a training session, organising times, how long you're going to be out there for, where cones are going to be, how can you change from one drill into another drill and keep the boys ticking over, keeping the boys warm so they don't cool down. Yep. They need to take all these concepts that probably footballers don't even think about and then put that into a training session. And at the same time, they need to keep 22, 23, 24 bodies happy that's in their squad as well. So there's a lot more to football than just turning around saying you're playing a 4 4 2 and go out and kick the ball on a Saturday. That's it's a completely different mindset yeah 100% man i think like when you like managers from even like a, in a workplace like how people work up in a manager in a workplace for example and obviously it's a completely different form of manager but in terms of like um like there's so much more things to think about in terms of like obviously people management for example as well man like people forget that like like you, like you said you imagine 22 24 different boys you try to keep them all happy try to get, like try to keep them at a level that they're playing as frequently as they, they want to or they need to there's so much different things that go into it kind of as a manager as well and obviously from the outside looking in i only see so much but in terms of like the managers that actually represent the kind of the values that i feel like i would see from the outside or that i would have that clops a perfect example is that mate he has a lot of empathy a lot of kindness and when it's nitty gritty time like there's no there's no hiding it like he's a, he seems like a phenomenal manager to watch and like how he navigates himself up and down the sideline as well mate but obviously like i said i, like, I don't think myself as, as a football expert i just watch it whenever like i, I have a great passion for football so i watch it from the side but i would never class myself as any like i mean any sort of impact or positive impact on a club or anything like that that's for sure nah nah i get that mate and like see to be honest a lot of people probably feel the exact same as you like mm. i love football but they've never been involved in it but they love football and they watch it aside. like my dad's my dad's never ever like played in football. He's played like for these his local boys' club team when he was a yeah. young boy and stuff like that. Never ever been in football, and his knowledge of the game for me is absolutely spot on. Like there's there's nobody else that I would go for the dice on my game mm-hmm. more than my dad. And I've I've worked with hundreds of managers out there. I've worked with a lot of coaches. I sat next thing, and still to this day, one of the only people that I value that the opinion comes from is my dad like 100% because he'll not tell any lies to me. Yep. He'll not say things to butter me up, he'll not say things to keep me sweet. He'll also not say things to me that aren't true like saying that I maybe had a good game when I wasn't it. He will tell me blunt straight mm-hmm. and this is for my own dad like how I done and then I know if I've done well then he will tell me and if I've done bad he will tell me. Did you say he's probably your greatest influence? Definitely, yeah, right. definitely. He's he's my greatest influence. Like, never misses a game. Uh, he actually went on holiday once, and I played in a cup final for a boys' club team. It wasn't even my. I played for Livingston Pro Youth. At that time, you would also we still play for your boys' club. Right. And I played in a final for my boys' club, and he actually flew back for the game, Oft. watched the game, and then flew back. Uh, yeah, I think it was Tenerife or something like that. It was in. <laughs> So he's yeah, he's he's definitely been my biggest fan and like he's always been my biggest critic from my full career. Yeah. My uh, my biggest fan growing up, mate, was my gran. My gran used to take me every football game that I played at, mate. Like when I was growing up, man, and like she 
I man, she was like my own wee manager, mate. Like when I was growing up as a kid and at my boys' club teams, and then when I was eleven or twelve, mate, I was at the boys' club team. I was at. I got scouted for Hearts, and then I went. So I went to Hearts on trial for like six weeks during the summer, um, or just prior to the summer, like kicking off. And obviously, mate, see my grand's face, man. See when I thought, like when I got the news and all that, and she she used to drive us through. So she drives us through to Edinburgh for Glasgow for the training twice a week mate and the training as well man that's why I, I tip my hats off like see the the pro youth level or just the professional level compared to boys club level the training the intensity everything about it man the drills that were they were doing like i'll never forget it when i stepped out and the drills that were being set up i was feel like a lost puppy mate i didn't know what the fuck was happening i was like just i it was it, i felt out of my depth when i was there but obviously it's something i'd, I'd have progressed in if it if it moved forward mate but i mean my grand fucking loved it man she was like she, she still misses it now man even like when i'm 22 mate that was like over like over a decade ago um you don't understand how much that people in the background have to go through for for you for your benefit no. you don't actually see that again you just think like people running you to football, people driving you there, you think mm-hmm. that's a, like, a given, like, you don't understand the sacrifice that these like, these people, your grandma, dad, people like that sacrifice to make sure that you, you get to do these things, you get to live your dreams, do your passion and stuff like that. It is, mate, because, like, even thinking about it now, man, like, try to make the, like, Bex will text me, she'll you pick me up after work, and I'm like, fuck, man, can I? And it's only a 10-minute drive, do you know what I mean? My grand literally used to make the time to... Like any cl- any away game on a Saturday or a Sunday, like no matter where it was, man, it was non-negotiable. She'd turn up, she'd have my f- my juice and my water ready, like everything. All these little things, mate. Like like you're saying that, like all add up, man. I completely all adds up. It does. And she, I, she was an absolute star, mate. She loved every part. My mum used to like not really come to my football because she used to like she hated the not the gru- not the gruesome aspect of it, but like just the. I don't know, she didn't view it as dangerous, it was just like, she didn't want to see me getting hurt or any sort of shit like that. Whereas my grandman, she was just like, fucking, every game, mate, non-negotiable. Um, <laughs> it was dying, man. Aye. Too late, mate. Too late, brother. Um, in terms of, like, if we'll stay on topic of football, mate, what's one attribute for one of your closest teammates at the moment that you'd love to adopt? Pace. Pace? Oh, pace. <laughs> if, I, if I had pace, honestly... I'd reckon I'd play at Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's probably, and to be honest, I've always said in my career that pace is is never been a big attribute that you would need in the game of football, mm-hmm. especially as a centre half. I've never ever believed that you need a lot of pace because I just feel like if you can read the game well and you can get into the right position before it, obviously before you actually need to use pace, then you're doing everything. But right, obviously. If you've got that pace, that's just a, it's just something that that can change the full dynamic mm-hmm. of the way you play. But again, people adapt to the style of play that they have through their own attributes. So obviously, I, I say that, but maybe maybe I wouldn't need pace. Uh, like maybe if I had pace, and I'd start doing things differently, and it, it wouldn't work out for me. So yeah. like right right now, the way my careers went, obviously, I'm happy with all my attributes, but. To be honest, like if I had pace, I'd 
I'd be, I'd be a joke. <laughs> <laughs> you play a FIFA card, mate. Just an absolute that's fist. I'd be an absolute FIFA card, mate. I'd be a shiny gold one. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's the thing, mate. It's like, see, pace, man. Like, see, when you're growing up as well, boys' club level, see if any boy was just rapid. Like, it was just a get out of jail free card, man. Didn't matter if he was shite, if he was nuts. Well, if he was nuts, it was also, it would, it would add to it. But we used to have boys, mate, that would fucking. We had one, we had this one boy that, depending on who the striker was for their team, we'd just put him at centre-back. If his striker was rapid, we'd just slot him in at centre-back, mate. And he wasn't a centre-back, but just because he was that much a joke, pace-wise, yeah, we'd just slot him in, mate. Yeah. Aye, it just didn't no. matter, mate. Listen, that's what happens at that kind of level, at boys' mm-hmm. club level. If you're, if you're tall, you could be tall on everybody, so you used to be able to run by everybody. Or if you're absolutely rapid, you could just run by everybody. And it used to work when you were young boys, <laughs> 10, 11, 12, and that, but... That, that does come to a stage where that that doesn't even like become an issue anymore because everybody starts to grow, get to the same size. There is boys out there that are gifted with pace. It's just it's a fact. But mm-hmm. uh, as I say, that, that would be a good attribute to have. Do I, am I too bored about it? No, because I've always been a great believer in that if you if you can read the game, then you don't need pace. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it is an attribute that can help you massively. Aye, and the thing is, like, not every centre back's fucking rapid either. And you see some of the best centre backs in the world, mate, that also read the game like you're saying, mate. Outside of pace, but what's one teammate you'd love to? Actually, part of the question is that it get a mental aspect as well. So doesn't it mental or physical? So like, what's a one mental attribute you'd love to pick up from maybe one of your teammates at the moment? A mental attribute. I think I'd just like to be. Maybe just as, as calm as what people are. Mm-hmm. Like, before games. I, I, I lock myself up uh, quite a lot before games. I don't know why. It's just it's something that I've always had. Always had a wee, a wee nervousness about myself. Like, I used to be, when I was at Celtic, I used to be sick before every game. Oft. It wouldn't matter what game it was. And it was literally like, literally just before going out for kick-off, it was like in the toilet, you up back out into the line and walk out for the game as if nothing had even happened. Oh, man. And it was just, and it wasn't because of like, and it was just pure like, nerves, just pure, just wanting to do good. Mm-hmm. And like, because you, like, you don't realise that this is, even at that age groups, under 16, 17, 19, reserves, whatever, it's like, this is you trying to make a career for yourself. Yeah. Trying to, do something for the for the rest of your life as as a job. So like, I don't know if I maybe let that play in my head sometimes too much, but I would like to maybe have a wee bit of calmness that a lot of people have that I wasn't sitting there panicked because when I'm on the field, it goes, yeah. it goes. It's mm-hmm. like that's it. I'm in a zone then after that. But in that changing room, I'd like to just have that wee bit of calmness where I was more relaxed, more chilled out before the before the game. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense, mate. And I think if you're like, it's not like throwing up before every game and stuff like that. That's something that, I mean, it's like, even try to think about like that for the impact. And I understand like with the way you're coming from in terms of like how much it means to you, and it's so clear to why you made it. And that way, that's why I was going to turn it like in a positive aspect, like your thought process behind. Like, how much it actually meant to you. Every single game didn't matter if it was pre-season, didn't matter if it was fucking a reserves game, didn't matter, mate. And it was, it was something, obviously, with the book that I recommended you, Relentless, by Tim Grover. He speaks about that all the time, mate, in terms of um, 
like like Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. It didn't matter if it was like a, a random All Star game. They meant fuck all. They turned up to win, mate. Like it didn't fucking matter. They were cleaners, mate. They were there to clean house. They were there. <coughs> they were there to win this shit. It didn't matter, man. So you have that cleaner mentality by the sounds of things, mate. Where you're just you don't care. Like what it is, it just means so much to you, mate. Um, and winning, man, which is makes complete sense to how you've got to where you are now, mate. Yeah, definitely. Winning as it's something that you just love and you, you just get that feel for it all the time. You just want to win. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's an anger that comes about you when you don't win. Yeah. And like, it's just, I don't know, I think it's, uh, I, I don't know what it is. It's just like, I hate to lose. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's anything in this world, if it's even a, a wee daft look, game of pool with your mates or anything like that. Like any games, like even playing Call of Duty. Yeah. Like, hate losing the anger that I get like maybe somebody shooting you and killing you or something like that. it's like so angry and then that's how like I'm, I'm like I text yourself and I, I maybe text other boys and like oh what's, what's yourself what's the best guns what's how yeah. do you get better at aiming how do you get better at this just because you're like I, I just hate getting beat at things mm-hmm. right? and I've always had that I've always had that it doesn't matter what it was it doesn't matter what game it was whether it be football whether it be playing play tag outside with your pals and stuff like that you want to win Mm-hmm. That, that's it it's, it's a winning mentality and it's something that kind of have to have I think to succeed in life these days yeah a winner's mentality mate 100% man if um, but a funny question mate what's the stupidest thing you've ever spent your money on stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever spent my money on <laughs> oh is this apart from a apart from a PC when you're 30 year old <laughs> and stuff like that uh, nah God, stupidest thing I've ever spent my money on. I've never actually thought about that, to be fair. Uh... Do you want me to give you an insight into some of the answers we've had so far? Ah, give me, give me, a, give me a few things that people have said. That so, Boise said his car. Boise was like, he bought, a, he bought a range, I think it was, or something like that. And he was like, just, uh, it had problems and he just done his fucking box on me. And he was just sitting there looking at it one day and thought, what the fuck am I doing, man? <laughs> like, why have I bought that? Um, nah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say my car. I think I'm mm-hmm. alright with cars. I built myself up for cars. Mm-hmm. I built like for a Fiat Punto to an Astra to a wee but one series and things like that. So I think I, I think I've done no bad with my cars. Yeah. Stuff. I wouldn't say that. Um, Dwayne Holmes, he said, uh, like designer clothes. Like just some sometimes he would sometimes when he was growing up he would buy. Um, he had this one incident where he walked into a, a clothes shop and he just bought this this designer whatever designer t-shirt and it was literally just a black t-shirt with just the logo on it and he walked out and it was like 250 or whatever it was i can't remember the exact number maybe 500 odd and he just opened it after he like got out of the shop and he thought what the fuck am i doing man like why the fuck have i bought that like it's just a, few, a black t-shirt with a logo on it like and i've spent that much on it and he wanted to return it and he was like fuck it i'll just take it as a lesson but um do you know that? Do you know what? I don't actually. I've never really been too bad for my money. Like, in a sense, uh, I always used to ask permission to do. I actually <laughs> still do that. You know, still ask for permission to do things like for my missus and stuff like that. Like, I'll go to buy something and I'll back to my missus. Should I should I buy this or like what would you think? Can we have we got enough to do that? Like, when we bills now? Like, can we good now? And she's like, ah, you're fine. Like, go buy what you want, man. I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah, but seriously, like, if we buy this and it's just like it's just sitting there thinking to myself. I think like stupid things like I used to buy like Game Boys and stuff like that. <laughs> after, 
I, I used to buy, like, say we're going on holiday, I'd go buy a Game Boy and I'd buy, like, Pokemon and stuff like that for that. And I'm talking about this is this isn't an age where you hang out. Ah, it's a wee boy, my boy. I just talking about this an age where I actually gone on holiday with my missus and stuff, like that. <laughs> and I'm I'm buying Game Boys and stuff. Like that. I've got a, I've got a child sitting me and I'm playing Pokemon on the plane and stuff like that. <laughs> and then my missus like, ah, why would you buy something? Ah, like you'll never use that again. No, I'll use it all the time. And then literally go on holiday, and then and then you never you never see it again. I'm quite <laughs> bad for doing things like that, like buying like technology or something to keep me like happy for a while or something that somebody else has got that I think oh that looks brilliant and then I get it and like I never ever use it that's like stupid stupid purchases but it's not really really purely expensive but it's just stupid purchases like Game Boys and like uh, Nintendo DSs and I've got all the wee kind of game consoles and honestly I use them about twice and then they never get seen again (laughs) it drives my missus insane (laughs) I didn't know, I had no idea you were a big Pokemon fan. Oh mate, Pokemon is a joke mate, honestly. <laughs> honestly mate, absolute joke man. I would actually watch the films and stuff like that now if I had the chance. Aye mate, 100%. I think of the, the um, I never really, I watched it, I watched some of it growing up, but then I, um, what really caught my eye was when Pokemon Go came I think mate, and I was walking oh. like 12, 12 kilometers a day I'd walk mate, she had a hatching eggs and all that, and like oh, just did a madness. Used to play, used to sit there with the game on, and it wasn't even playing it at night, but it was because I had one of the wee Pokemon and like one of the wee like animal shelter things to get its levels up, I'd leave it on all night, <laughs> come back man, it's level 100 and stuff, I'm like, what a guy I've got now, <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, honestly. I used to buzz after, man. That was fucking I, had such a, I had a big collection of Pokemon cards when I was in school and stuff like that. It was crazy. I used to, um, when I think about cards and stuff like that, man, like, my dad used to go to the barras, mate, and he'd buy me fake cards, and he'd tell me, <laughs> he'd tell me they were real. <laughs> Chinese named ones and stuff like that. I was like, oh, these are new ones. You know, like, yeah. Literally, mate, I remember one time he came back, man, he had a... Like this full pack of it. Like, I used to play like, Yu-Gi-Oh, like Yu-Gi-Oh cards when I was growing up. Oh, and I Yu-Gi-Oh, mate, it had like a, a full on like this mad fat pack, and I was like, "Holy shit! How the fuck did you get them from?" He was like, "Oh, don't worry, man. I got a pallet of salted jute and all this kind of stuff." And I took them into school the next day, mate, and I was gassed because it was like all the best cards that I ever needed, and I thought this is too good to be true to them. And tried to trade them, and straight away, man, every cut in the school was like, they're fake as fuck. And I was like, there's no way they're fake, they're no fake, no way. Getting called out on your fake Pokemon cards It's fucking brutal, mate. But I used to, I used to love collecting, um, like, the match attacks, and then I had the, the Wii Football heads. Aye. Like, I had them as well, and then I had, what was the other thing, man, that I used to do? Like, see the, so, like, the... The sticky collection, so like the Premiership and the Premier League. So okay, okay, okay. you stick them in, I don't know, with the, like the binders and that kind of stuff. Uh, and I remember, mate, I'll never forget, man. I went to the, the corner shop, mate, and we had my dad, just for whatever reason, mate, just bought me a full on, like, box rather than a pack. He was like, Aye. bought me a box, mate. I remember coming back, man, sitting in the living room thinking, holy shit, I've got all these packets to open my whole... It's like FIFA, mate. Like, like FIFA Aye. all over, man. Opening packs, aye. It was fucking different level. There was, always, there was always phases in school, man, where different kind of things would come out, man. And I, I just used to love all that kind of stuff, man. Just going through the phases, as you said, like football cards or... You'd sit there and you'd be like, go to it, 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 need it. 
need a need a go that <laughs> and you're just sitting in the lab and you're sitting trying to trade people nine thousand cares just to get one guy and stuff like that's mental. <laughs> it was like the hundred club. Oh, it's mental what you used to do, man, as a wee boy and last and stuff like that. Aye, hundred percent, mate. Even though my obsession was carried on and when I had a child and stuff, I wanted to play Pokemon on a plane. But either that, <laughs> man. I mean, whatever makes you happy, mate. That's all. That's, that's, that's all about, man. I used to play the um, trying what the fuck it was called, mate. I don't know if it was called the GameCube. Was it the GameCube? Aye, uh, GameCube. Aye. Uh, I remember. I think that was the first Pokemon game I played. I remember like moving around, like fighting battles and all that, and I was sitting there like. <laughs> fucking like six or seven years old mate like playing this thinking how nuts it was mate like i was like <laughs> mind blown <laughs> class, man. Oh, uh. class mate anybody tells you they didn't like it they're lying to you <laughs> i bet sure my mom didn't like it mate to be honest when we were growing up my mom <laughs> ma- 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 used to cough you me mate when we were like cod and stuff like that when i was growing up man but then like when i started making money from it she was like can't yeah, coffee anymore. On. Aye. Good, good on you you're <laughs> <laughs> just going to do your thing because it was effort. um it was I when I was like fourteen, like thirteen, fourteen. I started like going to started going to events and stuff like that down south. And once I, I had like uh, for my fourteenth birthday, I think it was that uh, my present was like mom paying for a hotel for me to go down and play a tournament and stuff like that. And that was when everything kind of started to change because I was like playing for money. Then I play like come home and I play at GB tournaments and get paid from that. I remember I got my first check through the door, man. My mum was like, "What's that?" And I was like. I think it's a check, and the check said on it, it was something, the pittance mate, it was like a hundred dollars or something, and I was showed her it, and she was like, but you're actually making money from this, and I was like, aye, and I went and cashed it out of the bank mate, and that was when, aye, my life started to change my code mate, no more curfews, it was like my part time job, almost when I was growing up man. Love that man, love that. It was uh, some journey mate to be honest man, COD's like, and it's like got me, it's played a massive part in like where I'm today mate, and like the competitive aspect, obviously we play Warzone mate, which is much more, it's obviously like more like public match related, it's much more chilled, I mean if you want to see me like, you would have watched some of the tournaments mate, like some of the customs tournaments, that's like me in an actual competitive atmosphere where all I care about is winning mate, and like when you were, when I was growing up, and get on a team of a, a team of four players playing every single day with them for six hours mate the same boys every single time like you would quickly learn like what people hated about you man and what you had to develop and what kind of person you actually really were because it would bring out the worst in you man so you had like three other boys that you were playing with every single day and the same way you train with the same boys every single day it's just a much more wider pack but in that kind of environment where it's really it's so competitive for like it's quite high, it's obviously high intensity and I take a lot away from that in terms of from a leadership aspect, how you get the best out of people and like most of the time when I look back at it mate, like empathy and kindness was, which was what actually got me the best results in terms of bringing out the best in individuals and I think that's something that I've translated into business now where I don't have that whole like blue collar, like shirt and tie looking professional, like I turn up to meetings in a hoodie and some joggies mate and like if I'm lucky I'll stick on jeans mate but like very rarely they actually like I just know what aligns with me and it, like what I wear and how I dress and if I have tattoos or like any of that sort of shit like judging me by like what I wear means fuck all innit like it literally, yeah. mate, it literally means nothing mate I could tell no, that I'm a pink suit and it means nothing I'm pretty much the same mate like most of the boys that tell you in football like and you could even see paper articles now a lot of people come out and they'll get A to Z and stuff like that. and one of the questions and it'll be like 
Who's the worst dressed in the changing room? <laughs> and the boys, the boys will always say the same answer. The boys will always say me. The reason for that, but is because, not because of the way I dress is hidden or anything like that. It's just because all I wear is like be inspired tracksuits. Mm. Like be inspired were sending me out like five hundred pound parcels every yeah. like twice every month. They obviously like advertise their stuff on my on my social media and stuff like that. So they were just sending me out clothes, and it's just like tracksuits, like the one that I'm wearing now and stuff like that's be inspired, and it's just like comfy joggers and that and like mm-hmm. every day boys boys will actually say right now like I've, they've never ever seen me come into football with anything else but i be inspired to actually and I'm just thinking to myself like I've got that much yet to be honest like I, d- I don't see the point in getting dressed up it's not a fashion contest that we're in it's we're getting there to train and play football so like I don't see the need to go in dressed up jeans and that as if I was going on a night out like I'm getting into training I walk into the training ground I take all my clothes off I put my training gear on and I won't only see my clothes until well, I'm I'm finished and I'm leaving the building. No, so like, why do I need to then dress up in the morning? Instead, where I could have an extra hour in my bed, I'd need to get up, iron all my clothes, do this, <laughs> I will literally roll out of bed in the morning, get myself washed, wash the face and that, put the clothes on and get myself out the door and get myself out of the train. Yep. That's it, man. That's, that's key, mate. No point in wasting time on things that are so un- unnecessary. No, who would you say? Who would you say arguably is the worst dressed apart from yourself? And nobody did it. You'd absolutely hit Scott Brown, mate. <laughs> Scott, Scott Brown, mate. And the be- best it is, to, it's not because he's got horrendous gear. And like, it's just the fact that he wears jeans and a t-shirt every single day. Like just a plain t-shirt, like a plain bloody green t-shirt, plain white t-shirt, plain plain whatever t-shirt. <laughs> It'll just be like that, and it'll come in with the same pair of jeans on and stuff like that. It's just like <laughs> so unbothered, it's unbelievable. But again, that's a guy that's mentality's been at the top level for so long. Yeah, it just shows you, man. It's like I think sometimes football has changed a wee bit in the sense that younger boys are more worried about what motor they drive and what boys are coming in wearing, what other t-shirts says Balenciaga or Manny, this that next thing. And they actually do it like, when they're coming in working hard and stuff like that. And I yeah. think like a generation of football is made about how they're looking on social media than how they're actually like performing when it's mental. Ah, it's like maintaining an image and all that kind of shit, mate. It's it's that is. And that's And the thing is it, it, that's kinda of part of the game as well, the new like like making an image for yourself like because a lot of people get things in this world now through like social media and stuff like that do you know what i mean so you can't blame people for for expressing themselves on social media because it's like it's how a lot of people do business now it's how a lot of people do everything in the world just evolves on social media so determining say oh you shouldn't be doing this and that on social media it's it's hard because that's that's how the world's kind of getting run in it Aye, it's nuts, man. It takes like control into it, and people always think about like even like brand deals and stuff like that. Also, why when some of the boys will dress up and have people imagine their social medias, and like even when I, I spoke to when I first played COD with Andy Halliday, I was speaking to him about social media, and he was like, "Mate, as soon as I joined Rangers, I deleted all my socials, like every social, just deleted it and just got off it because I knew." He was, he was just, he just knew the shit it would get in it, and I think that's one thing as well, man. Whenever. I, one of the questions, one of the first questions I asked Wayne when he came on the podcast in the first episode, mate, was like, "How do you deal with this shit that is like that happens on social media?" And everyone always has the same answer, mate. And it's just never go on it. It's always the same, man. It's, it's easier, it's easier said than done at times because obviously, like 
when it's good, you love you love reading about yourself. Right. See when people never ever admit this to you, right? But see if you're doing good, you love seeing people telling you they're doing good. You love to see the world praise you. You love everything good. See when it's gone bad, you don't like seeing all the bad stuff. So yeah. like I see a lot of don't get me wrong, people abuse social media. Yeah. Like these days it's absolutely horrendous, right? There's having your point of view and then there's people out there that come out and are calling football players shite and this and that and they're the worst player I've ever seen. This is guys that probably couldn't run two yards of their cell. People hiding behind computer screens that have never played football before. People that pay £20 on a Saturday to watch the team play. You maybe have a bad game, no intentionally, because no football player intentionally tries to have a bad game. Yep. You have a bad game, and then you've got people slaughtering you. And then if you ever confront them, it's like, oh, you shouldn't be there. You're banging your order. You're like, well, wait a minute here. What gives you the right to come and slaughter me? Oh, but we pay your money to come watch you. You don't pay your money to come and leave the game and say we're shite or this or that. You come, you pay your money to come in and you come in to watch for entertainment. Yeah. Now, if you don't get that entertainment, blah, blah, and I understand people have got frustrations and I don't mind people voicing their opinion and stuff like that. But see, when you're calling somebody shite at football and stuff like that, yeah. that's just like, you've never played football in your life. You can't say that. You can't say somebody is shit at football when that person would absolutely destroy you at football. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't slaughter people constantly and then when they have a go back at you because like what happens if I turn around and paid £20 to go into a work site or into a cafe or something like that and I just stood there in front of them screaming you're fucking shite you're hopeless you can't fucking build this you can't cook you can't do this what people wouldn't accept that no, they would not accept that in day to day life people wouldn't accept something just paying for something and then coming in and absolutely torturing another human being like yeah. that is, but people think in football that's acceptable they yeah. think that they should be allowed to go on social media and absolutely destroy them and stuff like that yeah. now it's it's pathetic and see to me see social media it's like it's, it's got too much power in there and mm-hmm. it's it's very very annoying I know it's got power in a good sense but it's also got power in a bad sense yeah, of course man I think the thing is as well man I think the more I've thought about it some of the podcasts I've watched some of like the you know, some of the most innovative and smartest individuals that I've come across. It is true that, sadly, social media itself, the actual, the um, the drivers like Twitter and, and Facebook and that sort of thing, yes, they can clamp down on it, but the actual main problem is just the people that are on it, mate. Like, the actual people, and all it does is enhance the possibility for people to voice their opinions and to speak to people like they're a piece of shit, mate. And it, it blows my mind because, I mean, a lot of the talk is obviously like, it is like social media itself bridges that problem. But in reality, man, it's just the people, mate. People are just oh, fucked, man. But it's it nuts. The world we're living right now, people are, it's, it's gone overboard. You've, I'm now seeing things like people are injecting people in nightclubs. Oh, mate, don't. That is fucked. It, it's like the world they know that we live in is crazy. Like the amount of people that you're seeing, it's like, there's like kids getting abducted for schools and drugs everywhere. Then it's, it's mental, man. People getting injected in nightclubs. It's it's crazy. The world we're living right now is a is a scary, scary place. And don't get me wrong, as we were saying there about social media and stuff like that. Like social media is good in the sense of like 
well, I think of the times where you see somebody maybe who's went missing or something. No, like hundred percent. You yeah. see, and you see the world of social media backing everybody. Like, can you find this person? And it spreads around the world so fast that there's mm-hmm. a good chance that you might find this person. Or you see that somebody's sick, like a bad illness, and maybe people in the world can't afford to give these people treatment. But then you see people in the world gathering around, yeah, putting in their just giving page, and it's helping people. Social media helps people so much. There's too many people now that hide behind like profiles that aren't even theirs and like, yeah. abuse people. And I think that's where that's where it goes wrong because nine times out of ten you will only see an actual profile. You will only see an actual guy coming out and slaughtering somebody that'll be behind a behind a profile that's not actually them. No. It's so, their name and stuff like that, do you know what I mean? It's nuts, mate. I think like I mean there's a few things that could get put in play to to help sort that, mate. But in reality, man, it's it's the people that it's the people that's the problem. Like you said, man. Like if um like for me now, my social media is man. I mainly use Instagram and Twitter. That's pretty much the only two, and I only use and LinkedIn as well for the business orientated. But on Twitter, see anyone that I follow that is negative, they instantly get muted, mate. Anyone that. Um, every everything on my feed, like, cause that's one thing as well. I was I try and stay as internal as possible. We spoke about it before, and I started to hold myself as accountable as possible in terms of what I can control. And I can control, I can't control what people say, but I can tr- control what I see. So you know, it's negative, just straight on mute. And I'll, if I want to take them off mute, I will at some point. But mainly, my feeds are purely positive on instagram it's all influencers that are you know like stephen bartlett for example who's a phenomenal business owner that has a phenomenal mindset of positivity mate so people like that i have like business growth i have um everything is business and positivity on all my pages and twitter is probably the only exception because of the gaming side of things but anything negative instantly muted mate because i don't want to be I want to control as much as I can, and even if you don't feel like you're actually taking it in, your subconscious mind is actually absorbing it, mate. Um, and it can leave an imprint, man, for sure, mate. So, I I try my social media is now, man, are very positive, mate, to be on. But it's so easy to find a fucking negative or terrible post, mate, because as much as you try and nullify it as much as possible, always something will crop up or a trend will come into play or a hashtag or something mental, mate. Um, like exactly, that, mate. That um that in the the th- the shit with the nightclub. In case anyone's curious, with Declan speaking about the the injecting of the um, within nightclubs, basically girls are being more um whenever people are in clubs and stuff like that, people would spike drinks and people would do all sorts of mad shit. And there's a lot of precautions in place now that stop that from happening as such. Or maybe I don't know, people think it's not working or whatever. And guys have actually started injecting um you know females with whatever the fuck the drug is to make them pass out or something along those lines. It's the most bonkers shit ever, mate. It's, it's absolutely nuts and aye, they were, it's, aye, says a lot, man, about people, mate, to be honest, but aye, it's absolutely bonkers, mate. But I need a more positive aspect then. What is, uh, what would be, what would be your best tip for making the world a better place, mate? And we'll stay away from social media, that sort of shit. <laughs> God, man, that's sure you've ruled it out. Um, to make the place a better, a better world. Aye, to make the world a better place. I think everybody needs to be, it's, it's pure cheesy, but it's like, everybody just needs to be that wee bit kinder. Aye, too. That aye, wee bit, just kind of give everybody else a hand. Even like, if you don't think like that they need it, 
it's always nice to to offer that. See whether it be odd a door open for somebody or just do like just do a good deed. You no, know what I mean just everybody like think about waking up in the morning, think about like good deed can I do for them. I'm not saying you have to go out in the world, man, and try to find a good deed and thing like that to make yourself happy. But like just just in the back of your mind, just kind of know that like you've done something to help somebody else that day. Do you know what I mean? No, like just knowing knowing that you can go home and you think well. It was a productive day, or and then they end up, man. You you've helped somebody. You helped a old woman be holding a door open, or you pick something up out of the gun that somebody drops, or just something daft. It could even be as daft as that. It's something that that will make somebody else think, oh, I can do that for somebody. Then like, it eventually grows, and that, as we say about like things, things that happen that like positivity can spread, negativity can spread. So if you start doing more like good deeds and stuff like that, it'll spread. Yeah. It will spread and people will learn and people will see it. And even for the younger generation coming through, like people showing people things how to do, please, thank yous, whatever, whatever it may be, just like that will help the younger generation grow into being better people as well. Yeah, 100%, man. I guess it's probably the most, like, you said it's the most cheesy. I think it's the most common for high performers in terms of what is actually needed in this world the most, man. It's, it's kindness, man. 100%, man. I have um, my gratitude journal that I fill out every single day. is on there, my good deed for today. And I always recap. And if I don't have, I, I always have one. It's just about, like, me trying to find out what one it may be. Um, and I, every day, mate, my gratitude journal goes from the things that I'm grateful for to um, great things I experienced that day to like how I made today great, how I'm going to improve moving forward, what my positive affirmation is, which I've had the same affirmation for the last six months, mate, and it is I am a fucking money magnet, mate. I've literally, just, I've literally wrote that in every single day, mate, for the oh, last yeah, six man. months, mate. Too right, bro. And oh, um, yeah, it helps you. Too, right, man. And it helps you move forward, man. And it helps you, like, I, I, I don't know, I don't know, we mini series on Instagram. Uh, and anyone that's, that follows the YE network on Instagram, I'll put a wee link in the, the in the description for YouTube and on Spotify. Go and drop a wee follow. But we had one a series that we done. I've only done the first season of it. I probably need to make the second season kind of happen, mate. To be honest, and it was from a pessimist to an optimist in sixty six days, mate. Because I used to be very negative thinking, mate. Very negative thinking, and I was someone that like everything was. Maybe I'd give myself maybe not enough credit, but a lot of the stuff was external. Like I blame school, I blame the system, I blame shit that I blame people. You know, it would, even though it was, it was all on me. Um, and for me, mate, I used a few things, man, to change my mindset. One of which was just the basic power of positivity, mate. So every morning, man, when you first wake up, that's when you're most reactive. So eliminating any of the shite can, that can make you feel negative. So every morning I'd get up and while I was making my bed, I'd stick on YouTube and I'd stick on a motivational video, mate. Within that motivational video, it would just kick me into gear for the day, mate. And I'd hop in the shower. And I'd, I'd fire on my day, mate. No phone, no nothing. I'd do it my PlayStation specifically because it meant that as soon as I hopped on, I wouldn't see anything. Um, yeah. That combined with the fact that it takes 66 days on average to create a habit that goes into your subconscious mind, I combined those two as like the main components for me to actually move forward with a positive mindset, mate. And from there, I've added in little things like the gratitude journal. Uh, every morning I get up, for example, and I go to my notes and I type out, after I watch motivational video and stuff like that, I'll say, I'll type out my 10 positive things that I experienced from yesterday. 
So I'll just sit and I'll recap it back, mate. And just little things like that, mate, they make the fucking world a difference, man. Ah, that's, that's good, man. It's a good way to keep keep positive and like obviously keep looking into positivity things, man. Obviously, as as we say, but it's all about kind of like like letting it grow on you, basically. Yeah. And with you saying that, like with diaries and the gratitude things and stuff, like you're reading these things every day and doing the same things every day, it, it can only breed positivity. Exactly. Because if you're only reading positive things, then there's nothing to be negative about. Exactly, mate. Bang on, brother. So we're going to do a wee mindset deep dive, mate. Um, and for anyone that's watching, it's something implemented from, I believe it was episode 8 with Isabel, Isabel Lemon, who runs an RTMS clinic, and it was basically through a mindset deep dive into these high performers. So I believe the statistic that represents footballers is that only 0.7% of footballers actually make it at a professional level. And for someone like Declan, for example, Scotland International, you know, only, what, 24 players get selected for, Scot- for the Scotland squad? Yeah, pretty um, much, mate, yep. Like, there's 24 of the best players in Scotland, which I believe the figure for that would be far better than 0.7%, even though 0.7% is fucking nuts. Um, so we're we mindset deep dive into how Declan thinks on a regular basis, what he does to make sure he moves forward, how he keeps winning. We've kind of, I mean, scraped this office for a lot of stuff, mate, your winning mentality and stuff like that, mate, but I guess the first question is, from an accountability standpoint, what do you do to make sure that you get shit done every single day no days off mentality, mate. I just think to make sure that I get things done every day is basically like waking up first thing in the morning and it's always the same thing. It's either text the missus or I see the missus. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in my flat, it's a text to the missus hey, morning, how are you? How's the kids? And if it's no, it's waking up first thing in the morning to see my wee boy lying mm-hmm. in my missus arm and see my wee girl running through for school. Mm-hmm. And just every day it's just looking about looking about the house, looking about like it doesn't have to be anything specific of what I'm looking about at, but just kinda of realising like I'm very old, stay in a good house, get two yep. kids, a beautiful wife, get two good cars. Says I've got I've now just obviously invested into a, a flat in Aberdeen as well. Mm-hmm. Uh like my life's good. I need to keep it good. So how do I keep that good? And it, it comes for the job that I do. Mm-hmm. So it's for going into Aberdeen and working hard. Yep. And then obviously it's like the harder I work and there's obviously times you want to be lazy, you just want oh, kind of a bother day. But then it's sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, Well, well listen, listen if you work that wee bit more harder now, you see then it could pay off something different could pay off on Saturday that you could get out extra bonus money, you could get more recognition, just whatever, and all that is going to then make your family's life better. Yeah. Make it make it easier for them, because let's not be kidded now, like, the, the, the life that we live in is money-oriented, like, you need money to survive, and mm-hmm. only way you can do that is being the best at what you can, and it's like, it didn't, that didn't used to be my mindset, but it is now, and it's kind of like, it's auto-supply, for day three, because my wife and my two kids are the, the biggest influences in my life, and it's basically what makes me think that to be a man is to make sure that they've got the best life. Completely understand, mate. Fucking love that. I absolutely love it, mate. Very wholesome. And for, uh, it's something like, uh, probably like how we're, just how we're brought up in it, like how we're programmed to think in terms of being the man of the house, and can I want those, like, 
stereotypes and stuff are maybe f like fading away and so on and so forth but like for example even myself mate growing up um like i was always the man in my house like i'd never i never really stayed with my dad to be honest mate and growing up that was like my that was like my thing whenever i thought about it and like being with bex for example i'm always thinking about how i can protect her make sure she's all right make sure she's moving forward and it's the same mentality mate i think it's just it's natural I think, it, I think it is natural and i think if we were to do research and back to when hunter gatherer times mate thousands of years ago you know something that's probably installed within us as as men to you know to protect the family we've got and to make sure we're constantly moving forward and in this day and age it's a monetary aspect man the survival mentality comes from making sure that you're you know putting enough money on the table to survive and that survive then when you start to do so when you start to do something you're passionate about mate that surviving mentality turns into a thriving mentality and it's like doing it every single day loving your life loving your family loving what you're doing helps you just constantly move forward and you go from just surviving all the time to thriving mate and from there man life becomes so fucking easy mate like because yeah. you're so clear on what you want to do man Definitely, I mean, and to be fair, as you said there, like that did come, that came from like my dad, and the way my dad is, like mm -hmm. he was always the same. But make sure that you look after your family. Nothing mm -hmm. else matters but your family, and it's like seeing the way that he even knew, mm -hmm. even knew, like I can go out for a meal with my wife, my two kids, my mum, my dad, sister, whoever. It doesn't matter who's there, doesn't matter how many people's there, doesn't matter anything. I can go out for a meal. With my dad, and if I even think about pulling my wallet, even though I do, I'll pull my wallet every time and try to pay. He will literally argue with me to the death that nah, you're no paying. And then every time I always say him, because like my missus always says to me, why do you never offer to pay? And I say, well, what's the point? It's like I'll turn into an argument, and I'm not going to argue with him and stuff like that. And then my dad always turns around and says, listen, he says, I'm your dad, and at the end of the day. He said, see one day when Shay comes home with a boyfriend or Ashton comes home with a girlfriend and you take your family out for a yep. meal, he said, then it becomes your time to pay for your family. Yep. You pay for, you'll pay for their girlfriend's boyfriends, you'll pay for their, their children when they're, he says, that'll be your job, that's your family. He said, you're my family, I do all this, this is what, this is what I do. And that mindset, like, honestly, just even when, like, he was opening up his own businesses and stuff like that and he used to say that he said i gave myself life goals at the age of 40 i want to own my own rolex i want to have my own car i want to have my house paid off this that next thing yeah. and honestly his goals in life he is completed yeah he's actually completed by the age of 40 this was his, when they tell me it was like on his 40th day he was going by obviously he's 52 now mm -hmm. and he's, he's leading a great life but literally when he said when i was 40 i said he was going to have a rolex he was going to have nice car nice house whatever and he's, he's got all that and more yeah i love that mate and i think it's very interesting when we think about um like the way we think and like the way or the way we are programmed to think from our parents it can have such a positive impact um like moving forward and i think it's something that probably i became more aware of in terms of um like even my attitude towards money for example and I've spoken about it on multiple other podcast episodes as well, is like your money mindset kind of as a whole, um, and like your attitude towards money until you become aware of it, it's just what your parents think of it, and how to like reshape that and realise that you can control exactly how your attitude is towards money, and how you want to think, and for me when I studied accountancy at university, seeing businesses thriving, like I've been able to translate that to my personal life, 
um, and to see how I could manage my own expenses and to make sure that I was managing my own money no matter how much I made and reading Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harvey Ecker he, can, he explained all of that to me in terms of verbal programming why we think the way we do how it's from past experiences past people, family, mums, dads and I realised very quickly mate that it was so fucking true man and everything you spoke about there in terms of like everything you've learned from your dad Fortunate for yourself, bro. It's all in a very positive manner because your dad sounds absolutely fucking bang on, mate. Um, yeah, he is, mate. He is that. For sure, brother. Um, one of the second questions in the mindset deep dive, mate, is what habits do you have every single day that you could never replace? Uh, habits do I have? Well, one habit I have every day is always, like, if I'm if I'm in the house, that is, uh, or with them, I'll always kiss my wife mm-hmm. uh, my two kids every day yeah i'll always get a kiss like before i leave the house and they'll always get to love you yeah because you just don't know what's in the corner mm-hmm. could happen. could happen in this world man and, like, you might not even be here the next day yep. so wake up every morning and make sure they know that love them kiss them doesn't even matter if i'm arguing with my missus or anything like that if in a bad mood it's always they'll always get a kiss always gotta love you and yep. they always need to know that, that that's the case so that habit will always be there mm-hmm. uh, no matter what the, my family knows that I love them regardless of whatever happens yep. no, I love that mate I love that man I think it's um, I, like, it was, I used to have a, a close mate that he had a similar habit but it was just at night time so like before he'd go to like with his like with his mum in general no matter like who was staying who was his gaff it was because like when you're growing up man some things can come across like just the way we're brought up embarrassing or whatever it may be um when you're a kid and i no matter what man every single night he would always just shout in the room like love you good night and i remember i was sitting there one day and he, he just kind of looked at me after i said it and i didn't have anything to say mate because it it's an incredibly positive thing to say and there was no and it was almost like he felt like he had to explain himself and he was like I just always, always need to do it. It's always an absolute necessity, and that's what made me think of there when you were speaking about that, mate. Very wholesome, yeah, brother. It's just something that, like, it's, it's something so simple, but something that just it starts everything off positive. Like, like, if your family know that you love them and stuff like that, then it's it's the most positive thing that you can have. Do you know what I mean? If your little girl and your little boy know that you're leaving that house and that they're loved and that, they'll go into school and my little girl is the most like kind-hearted little girl I've ever seen in my life. Like, yep. she will do anything and make sure everybody is a part of everything. Mm-hmm. And I, like sometimes I don't even realise like how good like she actually is because sometimes when she comes here, I'm just thinking, my God, you're too much, you're too hyper, you're too this, <laughs> too that. But literally, like I read what our teachers say coming like him for school and stuff like that. she's the most kind hearted little girl which will make sure this person's all right and that and then my wife gets like voice messages for her pals after the birthday party or she looked after that girl that's maybe two year old three year old and my wee girl's six yep. instead of my wee girl maybe running about like crazy with all the other like six year olds and that she's making sure that a wee three year old is playing and having a good time as well yep. and she's only six like she's only six she shouldn't even understand this anything but she's she does, and it's like it's amazing to see. That's amazing, mate. For that to be like your daughter, mate. Think about that. Like that's just I. Uh, that's phenomenal, mate. What do you think she'll be when she grows up? Um. Well, she's already said to me that she either wants to be a teacher or a vet. Right. No, I would love her to be a vet. 
she's unbelievable way like my mum and dad have got two dogs mm -hmm. her mum's got a dog her brother's got a dog her sister's got a dog and honestly i've never seen a girl at six just she walks in like a bro just get a new puppy it's a wee sausage dog and honestly <laughs> she just walked in walked in for a birthday party first time she walked out of this dog picked it up sat on the couch lay back the dog literally just cuddled in there and she just sat there clapping <laughs> like, during a birthday party and stuff like that. i'm just like ah, this girl just heart of absolute gold man. <laughs> i love that mate absolutely we saw she's dogs so old man i know they're just oh, so funny mate she hangs a tiny man it's a pup man it's a cracker <laughs> man but she's just so good it doesn't matter what kind of dog it is like, it doesn't matter if a big dog small dog anything like she might be shy for the first couple of seconds if it's a bigger dog but other than that she's she's fearless when it comes to animals no, no, fucking, I love that, mate. How did um, how did you become one of the best centre backs in Scotland, mate? Uh, I'll still be debatable to <laughs> most people whether I was one of the best centre backs. But to me, I've always, I've always had that mentality. That yeah. was even when I was playing two leagues below the the top league in Scotland, and a league below the top league in Scotland, I always pleased to myself that I was I was one of the best in Scotland. Yeah. It didn't matter. People people always boot that to bring you down. Right. I could turn around and say right now, like I've had nine caps uh, from my country. I've finished third in the league before with Motherwell. I've got my move to like, one of the biggest clubs outside of the old firm in Scotland. Uh and you'll still get people out there like I was a part of a team that went to the Euros with Scotland and there's still going to be people out there that will always try to be ah, you're not a good player, you're not a good player, you're not a good player. Yeah. Like, but my mentality is that I, I am the best. doesn't matter if you play for Silicon Rangers, I'm better than you. Yeah. doesn't matter. just means you got you got a break. You got a break, well done, but I'll get a break. So, yeah. like, I'm, I'm not worried. I'm, I'm always the best. And it's just having that kind of mentality that you feel like, you're always the best and that you can do but even when people try to bring you down nah I'm the best I can do it yep. doesn't, matter what, doesn't matter what you say to me like I'm still the best like as I said like, there with the, like, if I had pace I'd be playing for Real Madrid and stuff like that like right now I believe I could play for Real Madrid with foot pace yep. and people laugh at me but there was actually a video on social media when I was at Motherwell it was right after Covid and we were just going back into training pods and they were videoing us all coming back in and I was like, I'm back. I know I should be at Real Madrid right now, but I'm back. Don't <laughs> worry. I've I've always had that mentality that I can do that. Yeah. And it's never ever once changing. Like people, oh no, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. And I said, well, why, why could I know? Yeah. And they say, oh, you're you're no good enough. How how am I no good enough? I've just played in the same team as guys like Andy Robertson, who yeah. plays for Liverpool and played in Champions. I've played in the same team as him. Yeah. We've done the same. We've done the same things in the game and stuff like that. Like so, why 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 can I not do that? Exactly. Yeah, of, course, of course I can. I can. I've played against top players. I played against Mitrovic that's done in England and who's scoring goals for fun in the Championship. Never scored against me. Yeah. So, played against Vidra that's played in the Premier League for Czech Republic. Never scored against me. Yeah. So it's like why why could why can I not go do all the things that all these other people have done? Like yeah. Because of, because of negative people that think that I can't because of, I'm a guy for Scotland. I'm a guy that's only played for Motherwell and Aberdeen. I'm a guy that's 
comes from Blantyre, a nowhere place in Scotland and stuff like that. Nah, rubbish. No, it means nothing, man. I think, I think that's where people mistake it as well. People think it's like egotistical and something like that. It's not. It's just fucking like your mentality. It's what you truly believe in. You know that you need that mentality in order to move forward as well, mate. And it's like me with fucking in cod related and shit. You see my title all the time, mate. The best point of view in Scotland, mate. Fucking too right, bro. I'll yeah, fucking mate. wear that my sleeve, mate. Any exactly, day that how many people are too negative and like they don't believe in themselves so what they want to do is they want to bring you down to their level mm-hmm. so when you turn around and say you're the best and they turn around and go behind the ball and they try to laugh and then they say like you're, you're nowhere near the best this guy's better than you that guy's better than you no 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 that's your opinion of it i'm yeah. telling you no it's no that that's mm-hmm. no the case so if you don't like it then fair you don't need to take my opinion on that but i'm telling you no like, that's my mindset i'm better than them yeah and like people People love you or hate you. Yeah. It's either or, but at the end of the day, these people are only going to be in your life forever. Mm. Like, everybody's trying to get to the same kind of goal and think, well, you want to be at the top of the level, you want to be everywhere. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's like, you have to push yourself to get there. Don't worry about if people are talking behind your back or if you're starting to feel awkward because you think there's, there's people talking about you because they think you're a big kid. You think it's no big kidness. It's just you need to have a belief in yourself that you can do this kind of stuff and like people shouldn't try to bring you down for that like they might not agree with you don't agree with me i'm not turning around and saying that you're you're a bad player or you're this or that but don't come for me calling me a bad player when i'm trying to bring myself up because that's what i'm trying to do all i'm trying to do is big myself up so people shouldn't then try to bring you down just worry no. about yourself yeah. just worry about yourself and i'll worry about myself and then everything's good yeah couldn't agree more brother couldn't agree more mate and i think like one of the last questions on the mindset deep dive, mate, is it when I mean when, I mean like probably what age, but like when did it click for you that you could become like one of the best players in Scotland to get the national team and stuff like that? Um, well, I think we we had this story before, and it was obviously from my past time mm. through, the, through the prisons and stuff like that. And yep. I tell you, like, obviously, it's public knowledge to everybody that I was in prison, and I think. I went up and I went up there and somebody asked me a question up there and I think this is when it clicked and it's weird because I played football for such a long time before that but probably didn't have the belief in myself that I had after that prison sentence mm-hmm. and it was like somebody came up to me and they said to me they said uh, what you got to do when you leave here I said I'll go back and play football and they went like what do you mean like junior level amateur level I said no, no I'll play professional they were like oh you'll not be able to make it back there and stuff like that. Like, people will only touch you, people will only hang in this, that, next thing. I said, well, people that know me will. I yeah. said, and all I need is a, cha- all I need is a chance. Mm-hmm. And I think then, obviously, like, thanks to Livingston and stuff like that, that I got my chance back in professional football. And, like, I think then that's when my mindset was, was I was switched on. I was, yeah. like, proper deep inside it at this point. Like, there was nobody that could hold me back at that stage because I felt if I can go through, go through a place where I never expected my life to be, if I can get through that, then football, football should be a piece of cake. Yeah. Because there's not, there's nothing in football that should be able to, that should scare you. Aye, hundred percent. The only thing that can really scare you in this world is yourself and what mm. you, what you let yourself own. You know what I mean? What you let yourself want to believe. Like if like, if you start believing that you're not a good player, you can't do it, then you're defeating yourself and you're just like pointless. 
It's yeah. pointless for that. If you've got to defeat yourself, then what's the point? Because nobody else in the world... There is good... In fact, tell I, I need to review that. Because there is good people in the world that will try to help you. Because I've had a lot of them mm-hmm. in the game of football as well that will try to help you. Yeah. But has to come for you. No. If you don't believe it in yourself, then there's nobody else out there that can that can take you to that level. No. It starts with you, man. It starts with yourself. Yeah. It's, it starts there, and from then people can help and help you move forward. But if you don't believe in yourself, mate, it doesn't matter how many people are in your corner, mate. Exactly, mate. Exactly. And you're, as I said, you're your most worst enemy. Mm-hmm. So, like, you need to defeat yourself first. And to be fair, that no many people will ever in my job will go through the situation that I went in. Uh, that situation. That situation took me. To the very bottom, yeah. To rock, to rock bottom, my life. I missed so much. I literally missed the first year of my daughter's life. I mm. missed, missed her starting to crawl. Missed her starting to walk. I missed so much mm-hmm. that then I had to, I had to make up. My yeah. wife was paying bills, and she was working herself with a child. My income wasn't there anymore. And she was having to pay house bills, plus food, plus mm-hmm. everything. Don't get me wrong, she got help from my family, her family. But, like, she'd done all that herself and raised her daughter for a full year. Mm-hmm. When I came out, that was also the trigger that time to know work for my family. And yeah. I knew what it was like to be at the bottom. I knew what it was like to not be able to protect them, no be there, no be able to say love you, no be able to date anything for them for a full year mm-hmm. so i was at literally rock bottom and i knew what rock bottom felt like and that was the day i just knew that like, there was no chance i'll ever go back to that too right brother make sure you fucking i'll meet you untouchable mate like you said like if you can you can pull, pull power through mate something like that everything else in life becomes like, fucking easy peasy mate like you were saying man like when it comes to like a football aspect and i think even like yeah i think about quite regularly mate in terms of even the most ridiculous shit, mate. Like, we had Kaizen Kyle came on, who's a young lad that uh, used to be in the military and stuff like that. And he's, he's speaking about shit like, well, like, you know, seven days he'd be out on a, on a course or a trip or whatever it may be. And every day, bro, he was getting no more than one to two hours sleep. And for the other 20 to 22 hours, he was traveling, intense physical exercise, putting himself through fucking the craziest of shit bro that if someone turned around to me and said right john tomorrow you're gonna go two hours sleep and you're gonna be fucking walking or running constantly for 22 hours i'd have fucking i'd laugh mate whereas when reality is it's the mindset obviously if someone if someone can do that mate like you can literally do like there's no reason to why you can do the same mate and it's it's the same there's so many factors that play um uh, any of the mindset aspect and i think as well everyone seems to fucking forget man like see yn is built around like changing lives and businesses and the changing lives aspect comes from person development which is all about your mindset and people forget man that within business like or within any, anything business sport anything that you want to do mate like, even if you if you work for somebody it doesn't matter the top pillar or the main pillar the strongest pillar the foundations is always your mindset mate if your mindset is short, you just can't move forward, man. You can't move forward. It's the first thing you should be working on, putting your time into, and it's as well, man. I, I, you could turn around and say to somebody, if you had 10 grand right now, mate, what would you do with it? And most people will speak about how the things they're going to buy, um, you know, maybe something like a, an investment they'll make, you know, maybe they'll put a deposit on a house, whatever it may be. Nobody will ever think about investing in themselves, mate. 
and maybe it's because they don't know where to invest it or what to do obviously that's probably why M was created in the first place but even simple things like books mate courses i recently went on a thrive course it's called which was um to cure my i don't know if i spoke about this on, on stream before or on it i think i spoke about it on stream maybe not on a podcast i think it was maybe with isabel actually that i have a phobia called emetophobia and it's the the, for, the fear of being sick and when you were speaking about with football every single before every game being sick before you go out and play i know for a fact when i was growing up I, I couldn't have done that and if i was making me do that then i probably wouldn't have continued to play football and for me yeah. like you know myself mate, I'm, I'm, I'm the most rational clear-headed logical individual we sit and speak about football we, we speak about all sorts of it and keeping a clear mind and making sure that you're always moving forward and the only thing that that would ever go the opposite way was with sickness mate if someone was sick mate i'd if my sister was sick mate i'd go and stay at rebecca's house for two weeks mate i'd i'd derail everything mate and my whole life would just go on hold for like two weeks mate because the thought of me catching anything being sick it was too much for me mate so i went on a course a thrive course because emetophobia was classed as a an eating disorder on like nhs and stuff like that it was never actually treatable or like like they'd, they'd recommend like therapy and stuff like that um and I came across the the Thrive program, which allowed me to, yeah, literally just the whole the whole point of it is to get you from um, to a hundred percent thriving, like what I was speaking before, before with surviving and thriving, get you to a hundred percent thriving. And part of that, mate, like my mentality outside of anything sickness related is unfucking stoppable, mate. It's completely bulletproof. Whereas with sickness. All of that goes out the window, mate, and I, I could never understand why. And going through that course, mate, it helped me understand why I thought the way that I did. And now I'm overcoming that phobia. Um, and it's people don't realise, mate, that you can fucking there's so much shit out there, man, that you can invest money in. And people as well think, oh, like money comes in, money comes to you. Like I, I like I say every affirmation, bro. I'm a fucking money magnet, so no matter how much money I put out, I'm always going to get more money back, it doesn't matter. And if it's constantly investing in me as well, it's going to be coming back to me in tenfold, bro. Twentyfold, thirtyfold, doesn't fuck it, doesn't matter, mate. Um, yeah. And it's, I, it's nuts, bro. It's nuts, right, mate. Too right, bro. Too right, mate. And I think, like, that's been a fucking banging episode, brother. But to round it off, mate, what can the troops expect from yourself moving forward, mate? What's next for Big Declan Gallagher? What's next? Uh, get my well. First of all, get myself back fit. Mm-hmm. Get myself back fit for this hamstring injury. Get myself back into the team. Yep. And then be there, mate. Just progression again. The sky's the limit, bro. That's it, mate. Getting back to the top again, mate. Getting back in the national team. Getting back in the starting eleven. Just keep pushing, mate. Yes. Thirty year old, mate. Got a lot of years left in these legs, mate. So it's all about pushing to keep going. Keep trying to get to that top, mate. Know what I mean, keep trying to date for the family, make sure I keep keep looking after them, and then I know that if it comes to the end, then I've gave it everything, then I know I'll be able to end my football career on the high. Absolutely, bro. I fucking love that, mate. Thank you so much for coming on, bro. You're some man. Much my appreciated, problem, bro, mate. Man, it's my pleasure. Love that, bro. And thank you, anyone that's out there listening. If you haven't already, drop a wee like, follow if you're on Spotify, subscribe if you're on YouTube, and have a blessed day, guys.